Okay, first uh, point of order is new recording day. We're no longer going to do Fridays. So if you missed, if y'all were checking Friday for your feed and you didn't see one, we'll probably do these on Tuesday or Thursday now. Um, it's just easier for everyone. So we're back. Um, I think Colleen is going to tell us about Founders Conf later, but we first are going to talk about some of the stuff I've been doing, um, implementing uh, refine for Laravel with Keith. Um, so yeah. Um, okay. So I've been working with our internet friend Keith to implement refine in his app, which is Sigmetrics. He, I don't, have y'all seen, have either of you seen, I know Sean, I think you have Colleen, have you seen Segmetrics, the inside of it? Okay. No, I have not. Um, he has a really good um, front-end query builder um, already, and the back-end is modeled off of Refine because he was our very first customer like two years ago. He bought access to it. Um, and so he took it and then kind of has morphed it over time. <clears throat> and he's now in this situation where it's really hard to maintain um, and it's really hard to extend and add new stuff. And so he reached out and was like, Hey, can you just do this for me? His use case is very interesting. Um, because one of the things that he does is so like, uh, let's say the models are contacts and purchases. Um, one of the things that he does is he wants to filter on, um, contacts who have purchased you know, a certain thing, right? Right. So he wants to filter on contacts who have purchased a red hat. Right. But then, like, that's totally fine. We can do that, right? Right. But then he's got this requirement where the purchases are then joined in to the resulting data set. So not only do you get the contacts that have purchased a red hat, but you get all of the red hat purchases joined into that contact data set. Got it. <clears throat> because then he wants to show his customers, um, okay, here are all the contacts that have purchased the Red Hat, and here's like the, you know, the revenue value of all of those specific purchases. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Kind of. Yes, it makes perfect sense. Yes. Okay. Yes and yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we don't do that out of the box, right? Right. Our whole deal is we will let you filter down to everything that you need, including filtering on related models, but we don't then join in those related models right. as filtered data sets. Mm-hmm. So it's been interesting to try to figure out like um, because obviously you can see that he would want that filtering to happen on the related models as well so that you only are you're only joining in this filtered stuff. Right. And it's been interesting to see how to make like how to get refine to work that way. Um, I did a first pass that while it's looping through the whole relationship um, recursive cycle, yep. it it tacks on filters to 
an independent relationship query that you can then join in if you want. Um, and that worked well enough. But I think we're going to end up in a different spot because he has this other requirement. So this is really good because, you know, we've been implementing in a clean room for a long time. And now it's like, how do we integrate this into a real app? And it's yeah. a lot different. Yeah. Um, and I think this is maybe one of the more complex use cases. But he's got this other requirement where, so he wants the contacts that have purchased a red hat. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um and let's say, God, this is so technical. Let's say he wants contacts that were created in the year 2021 okay. and have purchased a red hat, right. right? So that's one kind of filter against the contact model and one against like the purchases. Right. When he returns that to his end users, he kind of splits it up and says, here are all the contacts that have been created in 2021 and we call those leads. And of those leads, here are the ones that have made purchases and we call those customers. Right. Because he needs to, he needs to calculate a conversion rate because that's his whole, that's his whole deal, right? Is the whole conversion rate thing. So now we're in a situation where we have to apply these filters separately because all the contact stuff needs to be filtered first to get the leads. And then all the purchases stuff needs to be filtered to get the purchases and to figure out which of the leads are customers. Why is that not just two independent line items for, from a refined perspective? Why is that not two independent line like, items? Wait, I guess yeah. I'm, what I'm hearing is it's the, the refinements need to be applied separately, not just to the original filter, but you need to be able to give people the refinements that customers build to run on whatever they want. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, basically. So, yes, fundamentally, that is exactly what is needed, is that the developer, in these really advanced use cases, the developer can kind of hook into our loop and apply things separately if needed. So, Colleen, the reason it's not two um, separate line items is because if he's filtering against contacts which he is and he says mm-hmm. contacts created in 2021 mm-hmm. um and contacts that have purchased a red hat right that's that, one that's that is the um what he calls the customer result set right because they've purchased something mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. but the broader result set that he wants back is to drop the purchase filter altogether and only apply the contact filter and say, just show me contacts that are created in 2021. Right. Not customers. Not customers. Got it. Okay. And so he's got this weird, um, it's not weird. It's just different. He's got this different setup where all in a single filter, he's basically running multiple filters. And so like we just need to have a better, sorry, we just, <laughs> uh, we need to have a better wrapper, like a better API for developers to interact with our blueprint. Like it's not just a data blob anymore. We need I to be agree. like, here's your blueprint class. You can get the refinements, you can get the initial query, you can get whatever. And so then you could pull off the purchases refinement, apply it to individual customers. That way you could develop, you know, build that view yourself. Like, 
pass it off to them for this complicated use case. Um, and so that they could put it in their own application logic. And then the way to do that would be a better API around our blueprints. That's what it sounds like. I mean, it's um, one way. Yeah, that's, that's possible. Um, I think the problem with that is the blueprint, uh, the blueprint is pretty early in the life cycle in terms of like applying and creating a, a, a filter or a query, I guess. Yeah. And we need to give them hooks into like the loop, like the main loop that processes everything. But I think we found, so I think we found <clears throat> that I was, we were both thinking we were on a call the other day for like four hours. And I think fundamentally we were thinking about his model incorrectly because I was trying to get it all down into one contact filter Mm. when in reality it is a contact filter and then multiple purchase filters. Yep. That's it. And that's doable. If you live outside of, um, the refine query builder, which he is, he's got like a report class. So he's got a report class that handles a bunch of like calculations and stuff and handles like passing stuff into his current filter setup. And so I think what's going to happen is, he's going to intercept the data from the front end and break it out into a contact filter and then in many purchase filters based on whatever the user did. And then that way we can get the SQL set up just right so that we can get, um, we can get leads, we can get customers, we can get filtered purchases to left join into those. So then on his front end, he can show everything. And so I think the whole, the, the paradigm shift was I was trying to squeeze it into a single filter when in reality it works just fine with multiple filters. You just have to stitch them together at the top. Does any of that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And then also if you solve it in the way where you're breaking things out into pieces, which you can reuse, then this also, so like what I think is that Keith is most likely an example of what will be for us an integration contract Mm-hmm. Agreed. And so we build tools to make it easy for us to do this for them. You know, I mean, hey, yeah. it's in the docs. Here's the API. But really, you're probably going to hire us and we're just going to do it. And Nick then time. we make it easy for ourselves to do it. So it sounds sounds awesome. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, actually. Um, and fun in a way that's like, okay, I know, like, I know all the fundamental building blocks, like, in, in my bones. Cause I wrote them all, but now it's like, wait, how do I use these two by fours to build that house? And it's like, yeah. Oh, I could yeah. do it this way. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Making these things more composable, just as like a super high level abstract thing to say here. I know, but like in general, making all these things composable seems to be a pattern that we're seeing that would be useful for us. It's happening over at client as well. I almost said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big time. So you did two days of work for him, Aaron, and how did you leave it? <clears throat> I haven't left it yet. So I did, I took those two days off last yeah. week. Um, I took two days off last week and then I worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night-ish. Okay. And then friday or wednesday thursday night and then fridays we're currently on half day fridays and so that's when keith and i were on the phone for 
four hours. And so now that, and that's when we had that, that paradigm shift. So now that I've got that, I've got maybe a few more hours to like clean it up and show him how I would do the first one. And then he is going to kind of take it over from there and integrate it more deeply into Segmetrics. Got it. Um, so he's going to kind of take the front end and write his translation or a translation layer that then feeds into Refine. And I told him like, man, I can, I can try to make your current stuff work because he's running into some very specific issues. I said, I can try to make your current stuff work or I can try to get refine in here. And he was like, I just want what, if you want to rip everything out and replace it, that's fine. I just can't keep working with this. And I was like, right. great. Cause he's got tests that are like fundamental building block tests that are like, when somebody puts in not null, make sure we do the query right. And it's like, oh, like we handle we do all that. of that. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I think we're going to be able to just rip it out and then let him write a translation layer in the middle. So Okay. Great. Yeah. It's real good. Yeah. Feeling good about it. Awesome. Yeah. So that's all I think of interest that I've been working on. Um, Colleen. Do I'll do my update first. Cause okay, I'll please. Because I don't, because there's almost nothing. I am almost done with refinements. That's my update. Ooh, very that's exciting. Cool. A small but mighty update. Nice. Yeah, it's very close. Um, yeah, so I won't get into the technical weeds because it's not worth it. But yeah, almost almost there. So that's my, right. that's my update on that. Love it. Awesome. Okay, speaking of paradigm shifts and, and awakenings, Colleen, you went to... <laughs> You went to Founder Summit, and it sounds like you're yeah, a new person. Like yeah. Sounds like Colleen. So I like to drink that Kool Aid. Yeah, who who is the new Colleen? Tell us. So I went to Founder Summit last week with Michelle. All week, it was a wonderful conference. Everything was really well done. The it was kind of it wasn't really an unconference, but it was kind of an unconference. I think the group was really small. They capped it at 150 people. And what was really neat about that is over the course of almost four days, you would run into the same people over and over and over. So I had a lot of talks with people and there were people there in all stage of their businesses from, you know, 10K ARR to 10 million ARR and, and more. So there's a, a wide range of people there. And I just feel like to me, it, um, it kind of opened my eyes to some of the opportunities that are available out there. And the first day we had a couple executive coaches speak. And like, I generally hate executive, like that whole world, because when I worked at a fortune 500 company, we always had to take these BS like engagement surveys and they were always really stupid and no one did anything with them. So I, I went into those sessions with like really low expectations. <laughs> and I found that I got a tremendous amount of value out of those sessions. And those sessions were really focused on, I mean, it was, the group was maybe 50 people. So it was really small. It was really intimate. And the setting was thus that everyone, a lot of people spoke and participated, but I really got a lot out of those. We talked a lot about 
what's holding you back, fears, mission statements, values, all those kinds of things that people are into. And I thought they were great. And I came away from that with maybe a different perspective on what I think we should do and our path forward. Okay, well, don't bury the lead. (laughs) Right? I know. So many words. I just think that we're in a great place and we have a really interesting opportunity here. And we have this, I have in my head this negative, um, negative idea about raising money, but I kind of feel differently about that. And I think that's something we should explore sooner rather than later, not like next month, but maybe in like six months, once the client contract is over. And then if we raise money, Aaron, you and I could both do this full time for a year. Yeah. I thought about that a while ago. It was like, when Aaron was talking about, you know, burnout and stuff, that that was definitely a path. It feels like the, I mean, okay, so this was technically a marketing event for them. Let's just keep that in mind. <laughs> and, it, and it worked, clearly. <laughs> it clearly worked. <laughs> but I, I don't know, it kind of just changed my whole perspective. So they get this guy up there who's this executive coach. There were two executive coaches. I love them both. This guy's like ex-Israeli special forces. And he's like giving this super, like, inspirational, ridiculous talk about like the fears that are holding you back, which I'm not going to remember, but I think it was, oh, I don't remember. I have to look it up, but they were good. It was like stuff. They're like, yeah, yeah, totally. And so many entrepreneurs are just in their own way, right? Like we're just in our own way. And, and it just feels like there's so much opportunity. And if we really want to go after it, we should go after it. And I think we are well positioned, well timed to do something like that. So yeah. I disagree. Okay. With Tell the well positioned and well timed. I'm thinking like six months once the I'm con- thinking like over. the time is irrelevant. That what's relevant would be where we're at with license revenue by then. That's fair. Okay. Because I don't want to go into it with no momentum yeah. and no like basically no license revenue. So I get that. So if we you know hit the ground running here and we figure out how we're going to have a lot of momentum. Um, and no, sorry, that when we come away with momentum, then we have more leverage in the conversations that we have about funding. But in general, like, like our hypothesis, or at least mine, I always am just saying my hypothesis and I, my hypothesis, uh, which I, I believe we mostly share is really in line with like the calm, what do they call them now? Calm company. It's yeah. really in line with their hypothesis. Yeah. So I really think that, and we have connections there. To me, that's something to worth look into. Uh, the my other hesitation about it is, it regardless, it will be a distraction for us, like because we're gonna have to at least like bone up on terms and understanding like what yep. we're actually signing up for, because Absolutely. I don't understand any of that stuff. And I know that there are fundamental differences between like Tiny Seed and Calm Company, and some of one of them might be better than the other. And th- all that means is that's a distraction for us, which is worth it if it's like okay, we can get good terms, we have momentum. It's not terrifying for you know Aaron to, to quit his job at that point, and there's enough money for him to you know cover health insurance and all of that. And like you know what I mean? Like then we can do the pain, but. I don't think it's worth it yet. Right. I totally agree. So why I wanted to bring this up is because I think it is now November. We, so I envision this is something we, we start getting serious about next summer. 
And so we need to set ourselves up. I totally agree, Sean. Like we should set ourselves up in the next six to eight months. I think we should set ourselves up to keep that opportunity open. And you're absolutely right. Like we need to, if you want to do that, you have to come in from a position of power, right? Negotiating. Um, So we'd want to be in a position where we have buzz, we have traction, we have revenue. But I think we have a lot of good ideas right now. We're like, oh, this would be really cool. We should integrate with this. We should build this thing. We should build this thing. And I don't feel like we have a lot of focus and we don't have a lot of time. So for example, we've got Torchlight, we've got Unmarked Docs, we got Aaron, only one Aaron to do all these things, right? And then we've got all these integration ideas, but none of us really have the time right now to do the software and do all these other things. So I think if we plot out an eight month path to get us there, like whatever we decide it looks like, like we're going to do this soft launch, we're going to try and integrate with these guys. So next summer when I'm done with a client, I mean, I'll be free. And then if we can raise some funding, uh, you're absolutely right. Like health insurance, there's all this stuff, but if we got some, if we got some traction, I just think we should be open to it, I I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm open to it, but I'm a little frustrated with you right now because like, are you not listening to us? Like we do have a plan for how we're focusing and how we're moving forward and like what we're all working on. Like, yes, we're talking about integrations, but zero people are working on integrations. I'm full hundred percent of my time on code talking about, we only have us to work on code. I'm talking with Mate, uh, a guy on Twitter right now <laughs> um, that Aaron knows to hire and try to bring in to start helping us like cover that and to spend some of our money there. Like we do have plans for all of these things. And I do think it's about on the schedule that you're saying. Okay, great. I, okay. I hear you. Yeah. I just, uh, just in the Slack, I've noticed, I feel like some stuff it's like, Oh, we should integrate with these guys. We should integrate with these guys. And that stuff gets lost. Cause we're not, we're not keeping track of it anywhere. Let's or ma- keep maybe it in a are. list. Okay. But like, it's just like a, because I think that one channel that I will pursue once I'm freed up from having to do as much coding as I am will be integrations. And then, and maybe, right. Because another thing about integrations is that requires more coding time. So it depends on how much cash we have, et cetera. So we have to figure out, What's our highest highest leverage long-term channel? First, our highest leverage channel is Aaron and all the social capital that he has, like, obviously. Um, but yeah, so that's the plan is, like, the integrations are not something that we'll even necessarily work on, but it makes sense to keep an eye on all the spots that we could. That's all that's happening there. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. I um, I, I mean, I think, I, I think we are on the path. Um, and I just wanted to bring this up because we haven't seriously talked about it. But I think so then like another option, another thing that could happen, which I think is not ridiculous. Yeah. Is an like another client type contract or two. Yeah. I think that's it, that's totally reasonable. It's totally not out of the realm of possibility. And then to me, a couple of those equals, well, we don't need, you know, if the margins are right. Like that contract doesn't have good enough margins. But like if we had better margins, then uh I think that's a way forward without the funding to get us our goals, which would be to let Aaron go full time. If that's the goal with the funding. Yeah. There was um, another thing about the funding. And again, this is like, I don't think it's something we would do now, but Riley Chase, who I met there, he has Hostify. Hostify? Yeah. So he has a really good video on understanding at least Calm Company, like how they fund and how you pay them back. And he basically said like, Minimum, you want to do a million dollars if you're going to take money or else it's not worth it. And you probably want to do a lot more than that. But it's a good video once we get more serious about it. If, if like you said, Sean, if we find a good support contract or um, integration contract, we don't need to do that. But, yeah, I don't know. 
I just, I'm like excited to go all in is basically what I'm trying to say. And I would like to help us do that. No, hell yeah. For it. I don't think, I don't think I'll speak for Sean a little bit. I don't think either of us have ever been super opposed to taking money. Um, Not at all. Okay. I think. I think hadn't the two, really talked the, about it too much. Yeah. The two that we mentioned are obviously ideal tiny seed or, or calm because they more align with our preconceived ethoses. Ethos. Right. Um, Etho. But yeah, I, if we can make it work, that's great. I love other people's money. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. It may be interesting. Um, should that time we reach that six months and we're ready to be selling and integrating rails we could you know i I just i don't know how much money we're talking but we could raise the money and allow colleen to stay full-time without having to take on another client contract so that you can sell and do you know one-off integrations in rails yeah and you know there's an interesting thing so we did have a talk about how to sell things before you have them which was kind Mm -hmm. of interesting and speaking of rails by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like on the Laravel side, like that's awesome. Oh, uh, no, we did it on the rail side. Obviously, Oh, yeah, right? that's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just trying to move my mindset. I think my mindset has been so deep in client work. And yeah. the cl- even though it's our stuff, it feels like a normal consulting job. Mm-hmm. And... It's so like the, the hot wire stuff feels so tightly integrated with what they have, Sean. When I think about pulling that hot wire stuff out, it makes me go. Ugh. It's not. Okay. Because <laughs> like the way we're doing the stable IDs and, and all that. Um, but I'm trying to change my mindset a little bit because I've been like, the, you know, really focused on that. And I, so I'm basically trying to change the way I'm thinking about that to be more generic, if you will. Yeah. As opposed to specific to, because they want all these things. We could sell it right now. I mean, they want all these things that are, that's fine. That's great. Like kind of like Keith has that are very, very specific, Mm -hmm. but it's almost to the point where it's, you know, we could just sell it as is. It's 100% where we could sell it as is. I I, I think so. Like, I I think it's there. So that kind of got me excited about thinking about how to position it, you know, from a Rails perspective. I think we talked about Rails developers might be a little bit they're a little bit of a different market than less excited than the Laravel yeah, we developers. Could, we could still probably do what we're doing on the Laravel side with a soft launch because I think that's the right way to do it is to pick up a few people that are like, oh yeah, I want to add that to my app like right now and mm-hmm. then and then do it and then see how much work it is to gauge like <laughs> how uh, like to gauge what we need to do in order to make it like feasible for you to be working on licensed customers versus client customer right? Um, to make sure that we hit both. You know what I mean? And then there's also, I don't know, I don't know. They'd probably kill us because they specifically wanted you, but I'm always like, I don't understand why they needed it to be you. Like, why can't we sub it out? They'd kill us. <laughs> I know they yeah. would. <laughs> I really, I, you know what? I really love working for them. Like it's, it's really been despite their pub. Yeah. I really enjoy working for them. <laughs> despite something unspoken. <laughs> And I guess we'll never know what that thing was. <laughs> Started with a P, but I don't know what it is. Um, is there a world in which we have a, a Rails soft launch while you're still at client? 
I think there's opportunity there. So I've been thinking a lot about this. I mean, right. I'm all like, you know, you're amped and I love it. I'm super as if, amped. As if you're not normal. I'm not normally excited. <laughs> but I really think for me, you know, and this gets into like some personal stuff, but I think that I, you know, I'm waiting on them for stuff because they're not quite sure about some domain. They literally don't have all their domain models quite sorted out yet. But I think I just need to kind of power through that um, in a different way because I can still pretend I can just kind of guess. And that's what I've been doing is kind of guessing. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah. that can I can I throw a suggestion out here uh, yeah. out there for this? Yeah. So if you want to leverage the time that you're spending on the client in such a way that's say. beneficial to both them and us. That's exactly then, what I'm trying to say. Yes. Then, you know, it's this joke that we have of like where, you know, like. Andrew's doing work upstream on bullet train, but you know what? It's not really a joke. They value that yeah. and they want you to do that. It would, yeah. they would, there's no way, like if you are like looking at the filter building problem and then doing some work upstream on that before they even are asking about it, that is definitely what they want you to do. So that's not out of the scope of the contract or a problem or like there's, there's no way. Cause they want us to own that problem completely and they want it to be, you know, uh, I think if we were a successful business, that would be like their dream outcome um, yeah. because then, you know, they could like have a real contract service contract with us and, or, you know what I mean? Like, yep. um, so yeah, I think that's, that would be fine to like pull out work and do it upstream. I mean, I, I don't think we could charge for work, you know, doing marketing work or whatever, <laughs> but, no. like, but like the develop the development work. Yeah. Anything, anything that we can do to work on the filter builder problem for them would be game, I think. Yeah. And so I think that sometimes work expands to fill the space allotted, you know, Parkinson's law. So, um, I'm going to try and compress my space allotted and I I just like to try to be a little more, I think I'm pretty efficient, but I I think to what you said, Sean, like, I'm just going to start working on those problems. Even if I can't solve them directly for the client, they are problems that I'm solving that will, you know, downstream, impact yeah. the client once they get what they need in place. So yeah. that's kind of how I'm approaching it. Um, and I'm hoping, so to your question, Aaron, I, I'm not quite sure, but I think so. I mean, I, I really think that is, that's a possibility. Is there, um, I, we've, I think we've been using upstream um, like theoretically because we're still in, the client's main app. We're not a gym yeah. ourselves. Correct. Um, I know that there are, there are productivity losses with making it a gym um, because yeah. then you have coordination issues. Is that, I would imagine that's probably the first step of like um, getting to a rails soft launch is we have to pull it out into a gym. Is that something that would be valuable to the client or do they just want it all in there? I will ask our contact over there. I think that is valuable, but I also think that the tricky problem, I mean, you were talking about, you know, the filters you're doing with Keith. Our problem is a little bit different, like the nested. They're basically refinements that are filters that Mm -hmm. they're trying to implement. So I want to get that. That's kind of their biggest technical risk right now. The filter and a filter thing. Is is how is these these cascading nested filters, like how is that going to work? So my goal for them is to get the, basically, I'm just going to call them cascading nested filters, figure that problem out and 
once it's mostly figured out, yeah, I, I absolutely think extracting it, of course, um, I think is good for everyone. So yeah, yeah. That, but I still think we're a little bit away because I feel like this cascading nested filter stuff is, um, is going to be a, gnarly. a little bit of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, would it be, would it be a reasonable thing to aim for to say that we would have another licensed client before your contract is up on the Ruby side? Or yeah, I think so. are we I, running I, those independently? I think or realistically, back, I November, December, I mean, a couple months, I feel like springtime. Yeah. And I think we should, because I think to Sean's point earlier, we don't want to support two people. If we take funding, we want it that, that to be money to support one person and another contract to support the other person, right? If it's you and me. And so, yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. I think that sales cycle probably starts in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, distribution is going to be interesting too. So that'll be technically. Yeah. I mean, private gems yeah. aren't really a thing we do. Um, so. we'll need to talk to, there are two people that yeah. do, um, <laughs> what? I, I know one of them. <laughs> oh no, no, no. It's not, uh, Mike Purim. Oh, it's <laughs> it's not, not, okay. <laughs> no. Um, I'm answering a different question. If that was the question I was answering, it would have been him. Um, There are two companies that do um, private package distribution. One is keygen.sh and the other is unlock.sh. Unlock is going to be our package distributor for the PHP side. And I'm friendly with the founder on Twitter. It's amazing because it's also going to be our um, our storefront. So we get to hook up our Stripe Connect and then all of our clients will be able to just nice. pay. It's like Stripe checkout, but for private packages. And so right now oh. he only hosts, he only hosts, I think, um, Node, uh, NPM, Electron, and PHP. But I know that he's looking into Ruby as well, gems. Um, so okay. that may be something we don't have to worry too much about. Um, okay, cool. Well, we're yeah, we're but, a ways off from that, but just things that yeah. That, uh, yeah, I was uh, just thinking about that because you were saying like, <clears throat> if it is six months away, and Sean's saying we need to be in a good like you know position of power or whatever. What are the things? we could be thinking about now that we're not already thinking about. Cause I think we are thinking about the Laravel stuff pretty well. Um, like Sean said, we're like, we have a plan and we're executing it and you know, Keith is going to be the first one and then we'll be ready to, I, I mean, almost immediately ready to get more people on board, but on the rails side, cause I think if we could show, two different revenue streams that gives us a lot of power to be like, look, it, it works not only once it worked twice. And I feel like yeah. that's a, that's a big deal. So trying to think, what do we do in the next couple of months that sets us up for good optionality? Not that we're going to do it. It's just nice to have optionality. You know, Okay, so to get the first license sales, it seems like a networking and sales-driven approach is the way that makes the most sense. But Aaron, you're already set up for that on the Laravel side. Then on the Rails side, we're not. Mm-hmm. So I think to me, that's the piece that we need to start working on if that's what we want to do. Um, there's another piece, which I, I am in, I mean, I'm saying I'm in charge. But what I mean is like, I will 
take this, which is the marketing side. Like we need landing pages for both Rails and Laravel and we need like consistent messaging, et cetera. So that's another thing I think we need soonish actually. Um, but then, so then on the Rails side for us to start like building up that network of possibilities, I think, I don't know. I got like, there's lots of ways to do that. Like there's like technical conferences going to those. Yeah. I wonder that. Like, when people are like, what do you do? And then you say what you do. So I yeah. wanted to bring that up because, so I, you know, my file uploader is active storage. I've given talks on active storage. I write articles about it. So people randomly DM me about active storage, right? I'm like the active mm-hmm. storage person. I have no clout in the SQL active record world. So right. maybe I need my like personal content on the Twitters um, and any content we put out there, if we want to start putting out content out there, there's so many opportunities I think here for, you know, how does your ORM do it? And like the biggest thing being our, our loving of the subqueries, pending relationship subquery stuff. I think there's opportunity for technical content there. And I have not like engaged in that way in the rails community, but maybe I should start kind of, being more active from like SQL and active record. And what does it do to go down that path? Um, is that so worth my time or not? Is what I'm trying all, to ask you. I think like the ideal con, if you're going to do the content path, mm-hmm. then the ideal content would be how to build a query builder. Like yeah. if you think that that is something that would get any traction at all, then yes, that's worth your time. Cause the closer it is to the product, the better value, the more value you get out of the content. Um, and even if that's not a thing we think would go viral or make the rounds, which I kind of doubt it. Um, yeah. Having that as a resource is like, I guess Josh would call it like a, a brick, right? Like in terms of SEO and stuff, that's not going to hurt us there. Um, and it may, it may turn into leads. But yeah, like if you think there's a conference talk or a pay, like a an article, then that would be worth doing. Outside of that, going too far to the edges, like I actually don't think it's worth it based on like what our goals are. So like I think it would be a waste of time for you to do like some sort of active record content, like for now, okay. for this goal. That sounds good. I have, yeah, go ahead. Well, because like if you, as you've discovered, you are now the active record person, and that's what always happens. Like you do the, I'm sorry, you're the um, active, storage active storage person. Yeah. And that's what always happens. Like I became the CSS person, and people paid me to like write, you know, PDF, like po- I'm sorry, Photoshop to HTML, CSS. You know, I was like, that was not what I wanted to happen, but you know, right. I pay my rates, so whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, that's that's my experience with that. I tend to agree. A hundred percent. And I think even one level, even one level beyond like writing stuff about building a query builder is just sharing the screenshots and animated GIFs and stuff of the current stuff that you're working on. Right. And anytime, anytime you come across something interesting in the current stuff you're working on, share that. Because I think, I think I've had to train, like I've had to train myself when I started getting serious about like trying to become more Twitter famous. I had to train my brain to be like, okay, this, this daily work that I'm doing, somebody will find it interesting, even if it's like moderately interesting or not at all interesting to me. 
the stuff that like the stuff that we're all doing is super deep, hard and cool stuff. And so wherever you can take something that you're already doing, take a screenshot of it or put it into that code image tool and share it. I feel like that is, that's good stuff to be doing now. That's not helpful when it's time in six months to like make sales. But now it's great because you start like, you start like um, getting known for the recursive query builder stuff. Right. You know, and you start implanting into people's brains. It's not very good direct response, but we have, we have a long time until that's needed. So I feel like that's a good thing to be doing now, especially screenshots and GIFs. Yeah. Sounds good. Anything else you learned? I mean, you've, you've signed off a Slack, so something changed. Right. Oh, right. All of my new. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I mean, there's a lot I learned, I think. Some of it is not relevant to our our company so much. Um, But I think, you know, that's a thing for me. Like, that's about minimizing distractions. Um, I think I was enlightened to my own fears and my own expectations of myself. And I think that I learned a lot about that. And, um, you know, here's the reality, guys is we had a couple people get up there and talk about people, very successful people like the CEO of Wildbit was there. And, you know, she got up there and talked about how they do 32 hour work weeks. And that's amazing when you're a super successful company, but ain't no one built a multi-million dollar company on 32 hour work weeks. You just can't, it's just not for real. So people sometimes treat me like I'm, like they're so surprised at what I have already done. They don't expect anything else from me. Does that make any sense? And sometimes I feed into that a little bit. Like people are like, Oh, that sounds harder. You, you know, you've already come. It's me. And it's great what I've done, but I think sometimes I let just that people in our community or like your family, no, just like, yeah, just like more like friends. Yeah. Regular, people. regular people, normies. Regular people. <laughs> <laughs> so they're confused when I'm like, I got to work more than, 36 hours a week. Like if I yeah. want this to be successful, like why you got a four day, con- four day a week contract. Yep. Why are you working yeah. more than that? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I've kind of allowed that narrative to feed into some of the decisions I've made. Um, and I think also, okay, something else I have to say is like, I met a lot of amazing, wonderful people, but I would also like to say money doesn't buy happiness. I'm pretty sure you know, I'm, I have this incredible life and I'm incredibly happy. So I'm also worried about upsetting the balance. That is my really spectacular life. So, I mean, I think this is kind of totally off topic for our podcast, but, um, I think that just something interesting I learned about myself and what I want and what kind of time I want to put into making this a success. So that's why you signed off Slack. Okay. <laughs> right. So part of, so a few things. One is like, I'm going to start doing focused hours. Like, cause sometimes I'll get on and, and I'll be like, Oh, what's everyone doing? You guys are my friends. That's the problem, right? When mm-hmm. not that it's a problem, we're friends, but when your best friends are your work friends, you want to be on Slack all the time and you want to know what everyone's doing and you want to participate in the conversations. So I am going to try and do focused hours. Pacific time, nine to noon every day, no slack. And 
I'm going to work a couple. I pick two nights a week that I'm going to work and I'm just trying to like kind of focus and use mm. my time really efficiently. This is like the exact schedule. Like this is almost exactly what I do. Yeah. Does it work? What do you think? Yes. Yeah. And the, and because it's a compromise, it's always this compromise in this balancing act with trying to make sure that because I like my family, right. <laughs> like I totally. do in fact like spending time with them. <laughs> right. Totally. Uh, so they're like on equal footing with everything else. And I like everything else that I'm doing a lot right now. You know, normally I'd have a job that I hate, which I would be like, eh, those guys can just deal with me, like kind of half-assing it for a little bit or whatever. I don't do that with this job. So I have literally things that I want to do in every single aspect of my life. And it's very hard to figure out like that balance, but I mean, I'm doing it. It's definitely possible. And then the focus time is key. Like mm-hmm. that is act- absolutely key. Um, and also trying to figure out when my best brain hours are and when to allocate those to what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I feel um, the same. Yeah. So like that mo- morning hours for you is the best for you. Yeah, yeah. definitely. When is it for you, Sean? Um, Usually, in the, my best hours are the evening hours. Always has mm. been, which is challenging with a family. So I don't mm-hmm. get to take advantage of that yeah. very often, um, because you know, I mean, it's the same as you, Colleen. Like, kid goes to bed, then it's time for like the grownups to actually talk to each other and hang out, and then that's like my most productive hours. So, that, but that's the time. Like, that's the time we have. So that's what we do. Um, and then you know. Some nights Beth has stuff because she has a life. So she goes out and does stuff. And those are my, my working nights. So yeah, in other words, yes, I do have ideal working hours. I don't get to actually leverage Work them, them for working. Yeah. And then I also have realized like, because I have done the burnout thing hardcore multiple times in my life. And I've realized I have to maintain other things too. Like right. I still have my anime night and my Dungeons and Dragons night. Like these are like requirements for my, for my mental health. Yeah. It's so hard to, to, to balance it all, but the focus hours, that's what I'm always striving for is to create um, the largest number of blocks of hours together. So like at work, that means continuously like fighting back on standing meetings and um, being the, the, the guy that like quits out of slack and when nobody else does, you know, right. like, She's like, nope, I think that it's more valuable. And I and I am also constantly bringing up, like, deep work, that book, and trying to convince people to read it. And, like, so that's the priority for me is to get the, the time for deep-focused work. I'm always trying to to get that. I don't succeed. I say I succeed, like, 80% of the time, something like that. Still, it's pretty good. I like, I really like the idea of setting up specific nights to do other work because I Mm -hmm. get in this, I get in this spot where it's like I could work every night, which is bad. Um, Right. And then if I take some, like if I don't work some nights, I also feel bad because I'm like, right. Right. Am I just gonna, am I just gonna like lounge around tonight when I could be working? And so then I lounge around and feel bad. Or I go work and feel bad. It's like, wait a second. So I, I wonder if like saying, okay, I'm going to work Wednesday and Thursday night. Then my Monday and Tuesday and Friday night, I wouldn't feel bad about it. And my Wednesday and Thursday night, I wouldn't feel bad about it. <laughs> like, this is good, dude. Yeah. That, that sounds that's amazing. Absolutely. 
That's so that was one of my things. So I and you know, you have to, you know, ask for what you want, I guess, in terms of like your spouse. Because mm-hmm. your spouse might get upset if you work at night. Mm-hmm. At least mine does sometimes. Yeah, and so negotiation, we, right? Right. Exactly. Well, that. Yeah. But the point is, you can't just be like what I was doing before. Is it would be like we put the kids together, like, oh crap, I have to work tonight, or I got to mm-hmm. work tonight, or or Aaron, like you're saying, I wouldn't work, and we'd hang out and watch TV. And in my brain, I'm like, oh my god, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be working. So yeah. we sat down when I came back from the conference because the big thing I think. One of the things I'm really good at that I've kind of lost a little bit, I'm excellent at, at like focused work. Like I can go four hours like dead silence, but with Slack, Slack is a huge mm-hmm. distractor from yeah. that kind of lost. It's terrible. It's terrible. It. And mm. with the client, you know how much they're on Slack. So I was mm-hmm. always yeah. worried that if I disappeared, it would be like, oh, what's Colleen doing? Mm-hmm. So I decided to bring, to pull that back. Just pull it back. If it's a problem, you'd have my phone number. You can text me or call me. And, um, and I sat down with my husband and I said, look, here's the deal. I, we are at this stage in our business where I need to put more time in. So two nights a week, this, that's what we're going to do. Like eight to 10 is our time. I'm going to work. And, and it, so sets the expectation has been set on the days, Aaron, I'm not working. I feel fine about it. I'm like, I need to rest. Right. And then the days I am, I don't feel guilty about not hanging out with him because he knows like, and so it's hopefully we'll work. It's only week one. I'll get back to you, but it seems like it's going to well, sounds great so far. We <laughs> already have. <laughs> Go, Go ahead, Sean. Yeah. So another thing I was going to say that, that has worked for me in the past is sometimes in order to achieve a goal, like for example, I wanted to get promoted. And so at one point last year, there was a thing that I knew like, okay, if I rock this, then I will have a very good chance of like talking about promotions and stuff. But it was also like, I'm going to need to put in like, it's above and beyond what my job requires. So I'm going to need to put in a ton of time. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I talked with Beth, my wife, and I was like, okay, look, I want this promotion. I think doing this work will give me the best chance. If I do this, it's going to mean like I disappear for like three months, basically. Like I will, you know, be around sometimes on weekends, you know, but like it won't be the usual like amount of time you see me and don't be surprised if like I'm working through dinner and we're ordering out more, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I do this, do we want that? And then we worked it out and we decided like, yes, right. like, this is, this is good. Like I, she wants it for me. I want it for me. Um, makes sense for us as family. So I did it and, and it, and it worked and I've done that a couple times. And I've done that in the past without that conversation <laughs> and without the deliberate like choice. And right. that is the worst. That is absolutely the worst. Like, yeah. but going into it ahead of time, knowing the opportunity cost and like what I'm losing by choosing to do that. And then making sure it's a thing that like Beth and I are both on the same page with. And that has been like a much different experience and those have been like a couple times that I've done that over the last couple of years have been really, really beneficial. I was thinking of doing something similar, you know, soonish here on refined stuff. Yeah. I was talking to Michelle about that while we were at Founders Comp, kind of like the sprint versus rest period yeah. of business building. And like, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm like, I'm going to spend the next two months and sprint and see, you know, how far I can get. But yeah, I love that. I love that idea. Of course, discussing it with your spouse and agreeing like this is. Did you like work when you did that though, Sean, was that like every day you were working 12 hour, 13, 14 hour days or were you 
just it was a, a period of, of well I'll tell you what it was one of those times in life where like it was I was so overworked that I don't really remember much <laughs> so like I could I mean it was I can't even tell you how long I was doing it it was a few months and it was that I was consistently working 10 hour days usually and then mm-hmm. there were definitely a few times where like I had personal deadlines you know and I was literally working in so I was falling asleep and like, wow. <laughs> like, fall like, asleep, like nope, do a little bit more. Yeah. Do a little bit more. So <laughs> Just keep going. So it was intense. Um, but this crazy thing is like, I don't, that was fine. I was fine with that. I didn't mind it at all because I've totally decided to do that. That was completely up to me. I could have stopped if I wanted. Uh, it was negotiated with Beth. So nobody was resenting each other. I wasn't resenting my work because they didn't ask me to do it. Like, it was great. It it was exhausting, and I then needed several months to like unwind from that. <laughs> I definitely was not producing at the same output as I normally would have with the same amount of time. But yeah, yeah. it was it was intense. But I mean, I, I don't know. But that was like at a really specific thing that needed to be done. It was a deliverable. It was yeah. really clear like what that needed to be. Uh, it, I wouldn't do it if I didn't have that clarity of like. I'll be done when these things are shipped right? or these goals are accomplished or whatever. Like, and I don't think goals accomplishing goals would be a good thing to hitch to that because you can't control that Mm -hmm. like some outcome, but I can control like, well, I mean, I I've been doing it long enough that I know like, yeah, I can finish this product by this time. So. Yeah. Well, I like this idea. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk to Jennifer about that. We already have like, we call it individual pursuits. And so we'll say, would you want to have an individual <laughs> pursuit that. time tonight? I love it. Yeah. Um, so we already have kind of a moniker for it, but I may build some individual pursuits into the calendar. I like that. Love it. That sounds like a good idea. All right. Well, speaking of focus work, should we give everyone their time back? Are we done here? Yep. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> 